professor of African Religious Traditions at Harvard Divinity School and professor of African and African American Studies in the Faculty of Arts and Sciences at Harvard University. He studied at the University of Nigeria, Nsuka, and Boston University, where he received his PhD in Comparative Religion in 1983. He is currently working on a new groundbreaking study of the explosive growth of evangelis uh, evangelicalism across all, br all branches of Christianity in Nigeria, expanding the current discourse that is largely focused on Pentecostalism by identifying its effect on and place in the larger context of Nigerian Christianity and society. Alupina has authored or edited numerous books, including Kingship, Religion and Rituals in a Nigerian Community, a phenomenological study of Ondo Yoruba festivals, and the city of 201 gods, Ile Ife, in Time, Space, and the Imagination, in which he examines the modern urban mixing of ritual, royalty, gender, class, and power, and how the structure, content, and meaning of religion of religious beliefs and practices permeate da daily life. His most recent edited volume, Ifa Divination, Knowledge, Power, and Performance, analyzes the famous tradition of Ifa divination from perspectives as varied as theology, language, art and aesthetics, philosophy, and cultural studies. Alupina has received prestigious grants and fellowships from the Guggenheim Foundation, the American Philosophical Society, the Ford Foundation, the Davis Humanities Institute, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Wenner-Gren Foundation, the Getty Foundation, Reimer Lust Alexander von Humboldt Fellowship in Germany, Rudin Driscoll Fellowship of the Harry S. Truman Research Institute for Advancement of Peace, Israel and Walter Channing Cabot Fellowship for Academic Excellence at Harvard University, he has served on the editorial boards of three influential journals and was the president of the African Association for the Study of Religion for 11 years. Alupina has received an honorary doctorate in divinity from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland and an honorary doctor of letters degree from the Obafemi, uh, Obafemi Owelo, uh, I will, I'm, apologize, uh, Awolowo University of Ile Ife and the University of Abuja, Nigeria. In 2008, he was awarded the highest distinction the Nigerian government bestows on her citizens, the Nigerian National Order of Merit, and he was inducted into the Nigerian Academy of Letters in 2015. Please join me in welcoming Professor Lupina. Thank you, uh, Margaret, for the generous uh, introduction. I need to thank you and uh, Angela for this uh, wonderful invitation and the opportunity to talk to the incoming uh, students. I hope uh, by the time I finish my talk, you all make up your mind to come to Harvard Divinity School. <laughs> because this is the best. Uh, Dean Graham, uh, my colleagues, uh, members of uh, staff, and the prospective students, uh, let me welcome you to this uh, evening gathering. Um, I'm going to sort of discuss with you some of my own experiences of life and how it relates to what I hold very dearly. So the title of my talk uh, tonight 
is a good and godly heritage, religion in a troubled uh, time. I want to look at the study of religion in the context of what we're experiencing in the world today. So what does it mean to study religion today? How do we study it? And where do we study it? What is its importance? What should it mean to us? Who commit ourselves to this task? These questions need to be tackled in today's world where we are confronted with a variety of issues, racism, violence, terrorism, hate crimes, increasingly diverse population, religious identities, political and cultural divides that are raising serious ethical and moral questions about our political community and our national life in America. Perhaps we are tempted to say, as many others are saying to us today, that these happenings in our history, in our country today, do not look like us. This is not who we are. That seems to be a question I'm hearing from a lot of people, both those who live in America and those who live in other parts of the world. So what do we who study religion have to offer as answer to these very deep questions, particularly at a time when polarizing identity politics seems to trump noble ethical concerns that has been uh, a concerns that have allowed us to take very seriously what we often call the moral imperatives. For students who intend to commit two to three years to such an endeavor, this is a serious undertaking. And so one must be convinced that it is the appropriate step to take and to raise these questions, which I will be raising tonight. I have found the autobiographical approach to be very useful so for self-reflection as the stories of my own life and interpretations of its events are as important as any other theory that I invoke in class to teach my students. I encountered this fusion of life and work last year when my students asked me to go watch Black Panther with them <laughs> at the theater. It is a movie I'm still thinking about. Not only did it point out the complexities of our world today, but also point to the very difficult and fascinating relationship between Africans and African-Americans, both of whom are said to be deeply religious. The film brought back to mind some of the deeply rooted African spiritual and cultural practices and traditions which are the building blocks of African identity and life 
such issues as sacred kinship, ancestral veneration, age grade, and gerontological ethos, it is said that art imitates life. The films we watch are a portrayal of what the world we live in looks like. And I think that's one of the things that got us glued to this film called Black Panther. Why would you want to come here and devote two, three years of your life to the study of religion? And I'm sure you are wrestling with these questions at this time. I must confess that there are very few divinity schools like this one. And I'm not saying that because I, I want to curry favor. My colleagues know that I'm a straight talker. <laughs> and whatever I say, they know I mean it. In a place where one is not only exposed to the theory and method of religious identity and theological preparation, but it's also where we're also exposed to the practice of religious faith traditions in global context. Quite a number of your professors here are men and women of faith too, though they are not required to be. Even agnostics and atheists have a space in the divinity school. One does not have to be religious to study religion. And indeed, it is the case that your professors come from different backgrounds and different uh, spiritual uh, 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 context. But one's culture is also central to one's scholarship and practice of religious traditions. For example, for Africans who uh, uh, study religion, religion is still very central to all life. So it is unthinkable to have an African professor of African religion who is not involved in a form of lived religious tradition. In my own case, this is Anglican Christianity. My African colleague, Usman Khan, is involved in the practice of Islam here on campus and teaches various courses on Islam and Islamic traditions in Africa. Exposure to the moral and value systems that one is engaged with, be it from the Buddhist, the Hindu tradition, and so on, not only gives one the opportunity to see the world through various lenses, but also from different dimensions and perspectives. As the African sage writer Chino Achebe once said of Africa, in an interview with the Paris Review, when asked to explain the meaning of his Igbo Nigerian narratives in his highly celebrated book, Things Fall Apart, he said, and I'll quote him, Things Fall Apart is the same story, the story of Africa in the modern world, the story of Africa in our time. What I'm doing is trying to see it from different angles like in the proverb about the masquerade. Africa is the masquerade, and you don't stand in one place to see it. You move around the arena and take and look at it in, from different perspectives. In a similar manner, the study of religion is like a dancing ancestral masquerade. 
that is viewed by the audience, watching the performance from different locations, angles, and viewpoints. Thus, the study of religion enables us to take the life questions of identity, diversity, inclusivity, seriously. And the challenge, of course, that you know, we are confronted with are all discussed in the, con in the in classroom, not because we want to find solutions to them, because it's at times not, not possible to find solutions, but to enable us to debate them and to have a clear understanding of what these traditions are all about. As you will see, when you come to Harvard Divinity School, religion is constantly reinventing itself to respond to those matters. Pluralism exposes us to very rich traditions and cultures with the diverse moral, ethical, and epistemological question of our students. As a teacher, I always look forward to going to classroom every week, not only because of the kinds of knowledge I will be sharing with the students, but also because of the knowledge I will encounter in the classroom. In fact, I'm very, I'm noted for one bad habit that as I come to class and begin to, you know, kind of teach and maybe glance at my lecture, I just take off. Quite often, <laughs> I don't go back to those notes again. Uh, uh, it shows how inspiring, you know, the encounter is with students. But students do not know that I learned a lot from them. It's not just me impacting knowledge. Another important practice and tradition you will observe here is that we build a community around what we profess and do. The community called HDS is structured around various groups, academic and intellectual programs, social and cultural interest groups, administrative, ministerial, and faith-based groups, all coalesced to promote a common mission and a common vision. You will have the chance and the liberty to pick and choose which of the subgroups for your intellectual, social, and religious interests. At the end of the day, it will be impossible for you to say, oh, I don't belong to a particular group. There are so many of them. And you will, I'm sure you've already uh, been introduced uh, to them. The African notion of Ubuntu meaning humanity, explains this very well. It is a Bantu concept that points to the power and might of the collective that people are into meaningful action. I am because we are. Even in the face of tragedy, as in a mourning period, such as the events in Kentucky, uh, Charlotte, Charleston, and Pittsburgh, among many others, we gather in unity to mourn together and to reemphasize our shared humanity. We equally celebrate our accomplishments, such as the graduation ceremonies every May, when we come together to rejoice with our new graduates and the new alumni, whose ranks I hope you will one day be joining. This also enables us to deal with difficult questions and issues of our time, 
And one of the most important of which is the question of racism. Most of you must be familiar with the slogan, Life, uh, life Matters, that in the last five years has become a clarion call for racial justice and the Me Too movement, which since October 2017 has become a banner representing the widespread prevalence of sexual assault and harassment, especially but not limited to the workplace. However, we could add that the lives of the poor people around us also matter. The lives of women matter. The lives of oppressed indigenous people matter. The lives of our students matter. The lives of all Americans matter. Important aspects of religious and theological education here at Harvard, as a result, must continuously address issues of gender, race, identity, sexuality, and so on. And we hope that you will come to join us to uh, pursue these aims and objectives. The role of religion is to be a total, uh, is to be like a social thermometer that measures the temperature of justice and social conflict. What movements like this show us is that we should always be aware of those whose voices are not heard in the crowd. Religious students and scholars must be sensitive to the other who is outside the mainstream of the normative culture and society. We must also recognize that at times, the other may come from unexpected quarters, as some of us have discovered. In moments of doubt and grief, society turns to those who study religion to prefer answers to the unanswerable questions. And therefore, it is our imperative to ensure that we are always working on finding answers, even when we ourselves do not know where answers will arise from. Based on my experience of the interaction between religion and society in Africa, I'm convinced that religion can play a positive role in upholding and promoting the values that can help a society prosper. Religious institutions can play a key role in organizing the civil society, as has been the case in many African nations. In the post-communist eras in the 1990s, as the world witnessed a reordering of the political and social order, the African church, as a part of civil society, increasingly played a major role in Africa's democratization process and the continent's reemergence from decades of military dictatorship. Three possible scenarios emerged vis-a-vis -vis the central role of the church in our contemporary society. First, in South Africa, the church, through its leadership, played a key role in ameliorating the burden of pain, suffering, and humiliation, the inhumanity of humans that caused. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, spearheaded by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, emerged as the central voice of moral reasoning 
in the post-appetite era, and indeed became the conscience of the state in reconciling with the victims of violence and oppression. The TRC became a model for similar exercises in other parts of Africa, such as in Rwanda, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Nigeria. Second, the church, especially the Catholic Church, spearheaded the National Constitution Drafting Commission that enabled particular democracy and reconciliation projects to be established among diverse ethnic, religious, and class divisions in places such as Benin, Angola, and Mozambique. Thirdly, the church, through the liberating force, mobilized both internal and external forces for political and social reform in countries such as Malawi, Kenya, and Cameroon. We should be constantly asking how the traditions that we are studying relate to the existential questions of our life, such as the issues of environment, health, governance, economics, and so on. Each of the religious traditions studied here have responded to these questions, and students are also enjoyed to dive into the deep ways in which they offer a great deal of wisdom to help us tackle life's most pressing problems. That is why during your potential tenure here, you will be encouraged to cross-register for classes in other Harvard schools and other universities. Permit me to make an observation related to the Masters of Divinity program, where students are called to explore the meaning, functions, and relevance of our faith traditions in contemporary society. I once had the chance to meditate on the fascinating story of Lazarus and the rich man in a very fictitious situation. The event took place in 2015. I was invited by one of our distinguished alumni, Dr. Casey Sean, who occupied the position of religion and public life in the Obama administration, and her assistant and my former student here, Rebecca Linda Blashley. The State Department, in association with the U.S. Consulate in Lagos, organized a two-day workshop on the role of religious leaders in the anti-corruption crusade that Nigeria has been uh, 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 battling with. I flew in from Berlin. I flew to Lagos from Berlin, where I was doing my sabbatical leave to moderate this section, attended by several high-profile clergy in Nigeria, Pentecostals, Evangelicals, uh, Protestant Catholic archbishops, imams, ulimans, jakes, they were all there. By mere coincidence, that morning, the devotion text, which I picked up in my hotel room, was this parable that Jesus shared with his disciples. And for the benefit of those of you who are not too familiar with the Bible, the story is very simple. And permit me to quickly summarize it. It was about a rich man, while on earth had denied 
a man called, a poor man called Lazarus, the comfort of human dignity, denying him even the very crumbs that will fall from his table where he feasted and celebrated on his riches. Eventually, the poor Lazarus died and was taken to heaven while the rich man was condemned to hell, to hate. What struck me in reading this passage that morning, which was just by mere coincidence, was that I re re realized I was reading it anew. It was the admonition given by a man there called Abraham, Father Abraham, that he gave to the rich man, who was indeed suffering in hellfire, where he turned to him and asked him, Father Abraham, can you send someone from heaven back to the world to warn my siblings to be righteous so as not to end up in this same place as he was? Abraham then answered him that there was no need to do that because we have evangelists, pastors, and other clergy people to admonish and warn those who were still on earth. And if your brothers and sisters were not listening to them, sending emissaries from heaven to do the job would also be for naught. That was the answer he got from Father Abraham. It occurred to me just at that time, after my morning meditation, that this passage was meant for the very people I was going to meet. Unexpectedly, after I shared the passage with them at the opening of the seminar, and by the way, when we got there, I insisted and told the uh, ambassador that we must have a morning prayer here because these people will not start a meeting without prayer. So please permit me, since I'm the moderator, let me do that. So we had that, I had my way. Uh, I'm sure uh, Mr. Case was just looking at me, he, and they said, we have to do it in a Nigerian way. <laughs> so what happened was that after that was that they confessed to me that they had never interpreted this passage in this way before. The text that you will come to engage here and to explore and encounter are to be read and interpreted in open-ended manner. Nothing is fixed. That's why you're coming here as scholars to, to do MDiv or to do MTAs. They are not close. They will continue to respond to new situations and interpretations and meanings. This was a deep hermeneutical relevance, both for me and for the guests at the seminar. What the passage does is it places a burden on ministers of the world because if they fail to do their work and act as moral agents of change, they are just as guilty as the rich man. So part of our calling as scholars is also to take this seriously, to act as moral agents in a troubled world like ours. Just last month, HDS and the School of Public Health hosted an event with the Anglican bishops from Africa who have been involved in the eradication of malaria because of the importance of faith-based initiatives to make the world a better place for all of us. There's also a good problem here that we all need to be aware of. There is an abundance of resources available to you at Harvard University, so that if one is not careful to navigate 
and investigate them sufficiently, they may be disappointed to find that they have lost out on plenty of opportunities because they're just coming. The resources are just unbelievable. The programs are, I can assure you right now, there are close to 20 other similar programs taking place on this campus at this time. Um, so that's the environment you're going to find yourself. There will always be people on this campus to guide you and help you find your way around the tools you need to fulfill your mission uh, here. And one of the things we're going to discover with, uh, with our, uh, our capable staff is that they have a lot to share with you if you have the time to also engage them. Finally, if you have not made up your mind about why you need to come here to make the study of religion your major subject, another episode and part of my own life history should convince you. My late father, an Anglican priest, sent me and my first cousin, his brother's son, to college the same year. In fact, we left home the same month. While I was sent to the University of Nigeria on Suka, a far distance place, it takes more than one day to get there from my, my, uh, my town. He sent me there to study religion. My cousin went to the nearby University of Ibadan, Nigeria's premier university, to, st to study medicine. So I was sent to Unsuka to read religion, and he was sent to Ibadan to read medicine. It became proverbial in Anglican circles in Nigeria when they want to show not only the faithfulness of God, but also the importance of hard work, trust, and destiny. Even though religion is not as lucrative a field as medicine, this is what brought me to Harvard as a professor. Let me end my talk with another lesson from my life. The lyrics of a song I learned in kindergarten he says, if we do not die young, we shall change the world. We were very little. We were made to sing that. Thank you. These lyrics explore the role of the African child as a potential change agent. It also warns us of the constant threat and reality of the high infant mortality rate that African children, and indeed children in other parts of the world face, thereby preventing them from reaching their potentials as adults, where they will be able to participate fully in the life of their communities and serve as change agents in the society to which they are born. These African children's lyric can speak volumes about a precarious situation in America and the world today. When gun violence in schools, homes, and on our streets, and places of worship abruptly cut people's life short, or even the back-breaking hard work and child labor and child marriage that keep millions of children away from schools in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. I place all of the above on the table 
to show you that as young scholars, you have tremendous opportunities and challenges to change the society into which both you and I have been placed by our creator. Is your heritage going to be a good and godly one? Or one in which you'll be remembered in history like that of a late African dictator and head of state whose unmistakable trademark and signature leopard skin cap and carved wooden staff pointed to the moral evils he embodied in his lifetime. His apparently beautiful name translates to something like this. The all-powerful warrior who goes from conquest to conquest, leaving fire in his wake. Does this speak to a precarious condition in America today? Does this description of this African head of state announce situation sound familiar to you? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we, we have time for just a, a oh, few okay. questions. All right. If anybody, <laughs> I know you were, you got that's so fine. excited. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, sure. Does anybody have any questions from the audience, DivXers or other folks? Amber? Um, my advice would be that this is the best place to do theology and religion. So don't beat about the bush, just come. <laughs> is that a good advice? <laughs> is that a good advice? They, uh, 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 let me explain why. Um, I know there are lots of places, there are lots of Places. I've been around for a while. I've been around for a while. I was at the University of California for 16 years as a professor before coming here. I chaired religious studies, I chaired African American studies, and so on. One of the things I find interesting in this place is that we are constantly debating issues relating to community. And I will call my colleagues, what are we talking about? We have a community here. Because if you have experienced other places, and you then come here and so, but what is important about it is that we are not, we are not satisfied with our standard. We keep improving on it and debating it. That is a sign that is the place to come. It's not like the text I, I gave to you earlier on is open-ended, it's not fixed. And that will apply to virtually all aspects of our, of our lives there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you.